0: uh welcome to our show welcome to your own show dan (laughs) thanks
1: welcome to your own show
0: thank you feels good i saw some interesting stuff this week i think you did too
1: i did too i think we saw the Uh, same stuff.
0: yeah i liked the two movies i streamed i think you streamed more than i did
1: oh i'll just talk about it now i'll talk about Uh, extraction go for it which is a 2020 american action thriller film directed by Sam Hargrave, and screenplay by Joe Russo. And it stars Chris Hemsworth and a lot of other actors. This is a perfectly enjoyable movie to have on. The plot doesn't matter at all. The acting doesn't matter at all. It is well-paced. It's exciting. You care about the characters, hopefully, meeting their goals. I wonder what the deal is with anything that happens in... I mean, it's not the Middle East, but it's in India and Bangladesh, but like movies like this, that everything is shot in like murky turmeric tones because it's another part of the world. I would love just to see what the, what these countries look like without that coloring Mm -hmm. because it seems like every movie like this that
0: are pretty and right,
1: right. But that was really my only quibble. Of course, it's completely Mm -hmm. ridiculous, and people are just fighting each other and avoiding impossible dangers. I hear it's extremely violent. violent. Oh, yeah. It's incredibly violent. It's not heightened violence, like, say, Tarantino violence, where you kind of uh, go along with it and almost enjoy the creativity of it. It's not like that. But neither is it so gory or cruel or what's, what's the word I'm looking for for when it's too much gratuitous to is the word I'm looking for. It's not like that. Just people get shot one after the other, most of whom you don't know, right? They're just all getting chased by people who do not want him to get this kid out of the country because a mob boss's son has been kidnapped and he's got to be rescued. That's the, that's the thrust of the movie.
0: Mm-hmm. Directed by a stunt man, so uh, hmm. a stunt coordinator, much like the John Wick series, which is very popular.
1: That's helpful to know. That explains
0: the violence. Yeah, the context of that movie is interesting, and mildly interesting to me, because this is produced by the Russo brothers, who have been managing, you know, the the big Marvel movies for the last couple of years, and this is the second time that they've kind of done a side project that was a vehicle for one of the Avengers. So for Chadwick Boseman, who is Black Panther in those Avengers movies, they did 21 Bridges last year, which was just a very OK cop movie for Chadwick Boseman. And this is a vehicle for Chris Hemsworth. It sounds like maybe it's a little more successful as a movie.
1: Yeah, I can't compare it. I Just for where we're at in the world right now, when nothing new is happening, it's it was fun to have a movie that felt like a real movie like you'd see in the theater that was just released at home. You just watch it.
0: I think I'll do that. Also, good to see Netflix continuing their trend of movies that um you actually want to watch to completion. Right. For the longest time I couldn't find a good Netflix movie, but that's changed a lot in the last year.
1: Yeah. I mean it's not like this is good, but it's right. perfectly good. Perfectly fine.
0: Yeah. There's just was a stigma that I think has been cleared for mm-hmm. uh Tiger Tail and the Irishman and mm-hmm. yeah, other things.
1: All I've great stuff.
0: On. All right. Uh, I'll go next. Which one should I describe? Shall I talk about The Fits? Why don't you? All right. The Fits is a 2015 drama music film, according to this page I'm looking at, uh, directed by First Time Feature, I believe, for Anna Rose Homer, and uh, written also by her, based on a, a story. It feels, I don't know this for sure, and it doesn't say this in front of me, but it has the feeling of a first feature, which is a like a fleshing out of a short mm-hmm. film. It kind of had that feeling to me. But it um, stars Royalty Hightower, a young actress, as Tony, a little girl who helps her brother at a community center and gym, helps him clean up. He's he's a, a boxer. He boxes, uh, trains with some other dudes at the gym, and she kind of helps clean up. And she's a tween. I'd say she's like I don't know, 10 or 12. And she uh, becomes fascinated with a dance class that's going on in the same community center. And she gets more and more kind of drawn toward it. Her brother encourages her to check it out. And she kind of, uh, I guess, officially joins the team. I didn't quite. This movie's very tonally breezy and slow and, and odd and a little creepy, but a little sweet. And, um, it's mostly just tones and feelings, but the story essentially is that once she begins to attend rehearsals and try to keep up with the other girls doing the dances, a, uh, number of the girls, uh, particularly the older girls who are probably around high school age, middle school or high school age, begin to experience these strange seizures and fits, um, two in particular, who I think are the leaders of the, uh, of the dance troupe, the older girls, uh, are hospitalized after they have a strange episode. One girl is shaking, the other girl starts coughing and then there's all kinds of speculation from the uh the other kids and the parents that oh it's because of the drinking water you know this takes place in I think it's Cleveland or someplace like that and it's you feel like it's kind of on the poverty line it's a uh it's an African American community and but then there's also people saying no this is just you know the, some of the kids call it the boyfriend disease there's this very interesting kind of uh nebulousness to what is actually going on and the movie's very short it's like 72 minutes long and it's very short on concrete answers but it ends in this kind of uh it ends on a very interesting weird high note and uh, you're left to interpret it uh, for yourself and i really I was, I, I have to say, I was confused and I was waiting for the movie to kind of get somewhere. And I, I kind of thought, like, like Swallow did that we watched a couple weeks ago, that it would end up giving us a whole bunch of answers at the end. And it, I kind of liked that it didn't. Um, not that I'm criticizing Swallow for that. I'm just saying I kind of expected that to happen in this movie. Uh, I liked this movie. What'd you think, Dan?
1: Yeah, I liked it too. It was a little slow in parts. I felt. Like it was a midway runtime, where I think it would have made a stronger short film. I don't know how strong, how long short films are supposed to be. Um, Maybe they couldn't have covered enough ground. But I felt it was almost too long, even being as short as it was. That was just my Mm -hmm. take. And I wish it would have given some more answers. Not because movies need to have all the answers, but because I really had no idea what was going on by the end or what they were pointing to what, what right. truth or insight. I mean, I guess we were in Cincinnati, but midway when there was a thing with the water, I was thinking, Oh, are we in Flint or, you know, right. cause I didn't know where we were at then, but then it wasn't the water. And then it seemed like, does this have to do with um, coming into your womanhood or something? Because there yeah. are a lot of those themes where Tony is on the outs and she's different from the other girls And she kind of hangs more with her brother and everybody's, the world's kind of running by her and she's just hooded up and, and sullen most of the movie. And we never get a look at anybody's home life. It seems like they're all desperately trying to avoid their home life and it can't be extracted from the, the blackness of it all. There, there are those themes. And so I'm thinking, what is this movie trying to say? Who, who is this for? Who's watching it and gets it? Cause it's not me and yeah. may- maybe that's okay. I found it interesting throughout. I kind of liked the ending how it just got ethereal and into dreamland. But what does that mean though?
0: Right. My best takeaway, and I don't, I'm not claiming to have a take or a, a theory. I just, the best I can do is that, yeah, this it's a movie that's very nebulous in plot and in, in world and all those things and in answers, but very specific in character. And that's the best I could do is that this is what it feels like to be her, to be this person, this little person growing up in this place. And those are all the things that are swirling around. You know, there's all these rumors of bad things that are going to happen to you through the water from the outside. There's uh, the scariness of becoming an adult and sexuality and all those things. And it's just what it's like to be a kid and not really understand all these things that are swirling around. It's got to be, you know, very specific and she's very, it's not, she's not just a universal kid though. There's something about this girl. As you say, she's Mm -hmm. very sullen. She's very upset. Most of the time, she seems like she's got a chip on her shoulder and we don't really get any answers about that.
1: Yeah. I'm reading here that um, Homer was inspired by real life stories of communities succumbing to fits of hysteria. So I guess there were actual Mm -hmm. examples in history of outbreaks of seizure-like attacks and uncontrollable spasms that still occur today, and they eventually resolve themselves in the community. Hmm. There was a dancing plague of 1518. Don't want to catch that, or maybe I do. (laughs) Where the pattern of these fits emerging amongst young women inspired her to explore the nature of this subject. (laughs) So a very strange phenomenon is transported to a contemporary context but then there's so, so much going on because of the inner life of this young woman.
0: Right. And so unlike Swallow, which is also about a very strange but real phenomenon of the pika, but that that ends up being explored in a similar way, but then it completely hones in on, on specific reasons that that might be happening. Mm-hmm. And this one does not. This one's happy to just be kind of a poem about it, like a visual poem.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of um, truth in it for me. I don't know what the bigger truth is, but when I'm looking at this world, it looks very true. These yeah. these are good performances. These look like people and communities that I've seen and encountered. Um, even the protagonist, though we don't really know what's at the center of her misery. <laughs> I- I've seen young women like her before. Right. But- it, it rang true.
0: Yeah, I like the the setting and the sense of place and people that when, you know, when the older girls come in to start class or when that lady who seems to run the program walks in, it felt very real. It felt like it was happening, um, despite the fact that there's some very strange, ethereal and kind of almost supernatural things. I mean, straight up supernatural by the end, although that might just be the movie, you know, using cinematic flourishes. Mm hmm. So yeah, it's worth it. It's very short. It's right there on Amazon Prime. It's also on the Criterion channel this month, which is how I first became aware of it. Do you want to introduce us to Never Rarely Sometimes Always, Dan?
1: You know, I always want to. Yes. It's my always chance. Your one chance <laughs>
0: to do what you've always wanted to do.
1: All right. So this is a 2020 American British drama film, which I wouldn't have known that, which was written and directed by Eliza Hittman starring Sydney Flanagan and Talia Ryder, the two um, main characters. And I don't think that it's a spoiler to say that this is about a young woman who discovers that she is pregnant and decides to have an abortion. And it follows that very specific journey that she has um, to understand what that experience would be like if you're a 17-year-old Seeking a procedure that um, she is not able to have in her home state of Pennsylvania without her parents' consent, and she doesn't want to tell them about this. So, what do you think of this, Josh?
0: Uh, I really—I I mean, it seems strange and reductive to say I liked it. Yeah. I was moved by it, and I thought it was incredible. It's—it's. It's, I found it unpleasant and uncomfortable for large portions of it, but I, it was a journey that I was glad I took because uh you know i i very much enjoy uh appreciate movies as an an experience or an exercise in empathy and i felt like this was that kind of a movie where it was so specific and it's something that i guess in my previous life i might have um found it manipulative or accused it of having some kind of agenda whereas this time at this time in my life i watched it and i just found it heartbreaking from beginning to end uh and it's a movie about the about the failure at so many levels of society from the family to what passes for a clinic in her small rural you know Pennsylvania town to every male in her life to to just provide care and recourse and solace to to someone going through something where they feel uh, they have to put their life at risk to deal with something because they can't be honest and real about it in uh, in their own home and in in almost any place in in the world. And I found it to be heartbreaking in that way.
1: Yeah, I I did too. I found it to be a pretty hard watch, and it turned into an unfolding nightmare to me. Whereas you think she's you know kind of succeeding um, with her plans. And there's just always one more thing, and then one more thing, and one more step, and one more thing. Um, These performances are good. I like the relationship between the two lead actresses. I thought that it was sweet and supportive. I liked the the title scene with the counselor at the clinic Mm -hmm. in Manhattan. I thought that that was really effective. Along your point about it being empathy building, I found myself throughout thinking like, well, what would I do if I were in this situation? If I were completely stuck and didn't have money and was in a strange city and um, would I call my parents at this point? Would I decide finally to call my parents at this point? And she never does, which kind of surprised me because the relationship with her mom seemed like that would maybe be okay. But clearly it wasn't. Her dad is a nightmare of a human being. Yes. Hated him, and I. Something I loved about it was the beer they're drinking, Yangling, and that's when I was like, "Oh, they're in Pennsylvania," and then they actually were, and I was so pleased.
0: Right. And this is a BBC film, so getting those kind of details right is a very interesting aspect, mm-hmm. and the way that it portrays what it's like to, tr- if you haven't been to the city and you try to, you know, get anywhere, uh, how scary it can be
1: yeah I thought that was so accurate and I was trying to think too like where in Pennsylvania are they they seem like they got on the bus at the crack of dawn and yet the bus doesn't get there till two well that was a longer trip you're not in eastern Pennsylvania and then once you're there they think that they're going to be able to get this done in a day but it just keeps dragging on and dragging on and what do you do when you have no money and no resources what did you think about um so they they encounter a young man who takes an interest in the in uh, yep. Autumn's cousin. What is her name? Uh, Skylar.
0: Yeah, Skyler. Yep.
1: Yeah, and they're out of money, and it's not like they're. I felt like it was the nuance was very good because they're not just using him for the money that he has, but he kind of becomes like a last resort to bring them through the final, right. um, the, the the final stretch there. And there was an image that paralleled the image of her getting the abortion with the counselor there, right? Where, yes. where she kind of reaches out to Skylar, right? Are those put, two uh, are those two happenings related? Did you think?
0: I don't know about that, but I, I mean, I now that you say it, I certainly see it as an echo, as a cinematic yeah. echo. That scene broke my heart because it was like after everything else all the literal tolls that they've had to pay all of the obstacles they've had to overcome as you say, there's always one more thing. And this last barrier is she has to basically sacrifice herself sexually. That's essentially what's happening. Mm -hmm. And it's like, they cannot catch a break. And it's, it, 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 it describing it like this, it must sound like it's the most histrionic, you know, ultra feminist movie that there's not a man in this world who can do anything good for them. But it, all I can say is that it rings absolutely true, and it's it's not as as uh, over the top as it sounds. It, it all seems terrifyingly believable that this is the best they can do. This guy is not what you, he's not like a, a villainous, creepy no. guy. He's just a kind of creeper, and he's he's like the best they can do to solve their problem. But that's co- sort of what this movie is about to me: is how at every one of these junctures there should be an opportunity. For them, these school-age girls to get help, right? And how, what an upward Sisyphean struggle that is to get, you know, a little help. And then even when they find the place where the helpers are, there are financial barriers, and there's, there's, uh, you know, interviews. And that scene, the title scene that you're talking about, am I wrong that there is a major revelation in that scene?
1: I think that it was an unclear major revelation, but yes
0: okay that's how i took it not as necessarily 100 percent clear but that um i feel like it's being put on the table there as a possibility and that had already occurred to me given the you know i'm dancing around something that Mm -hmm. i guess would be spoilery so uh but given the characterization of, of someone else who you've already talked about i kind of had that in the back of my mind anyway right um yeah this is it's a very difficult movie but it feels it feels important just just to have the experience of empathy and, and think through these things that it's not just this issues never play out the way that they do in stupid discourse, that there's actual lives and there's actual journeys and there's actual needs. And just the way that this forces you to think through these things, I think is value.
1: Yeah. And maybe it was her age and I understand wanting to take care of yourself And not get involved in extra stuff you didn't bargain for. I kept on thinking like, oh, take her up on it. Let her call the volunteers who can find you a place to stay for the night. Would you rather be in a bus station? And I I felt mixed about that guy because he seemed nice. I don't know. Like he didn't seem like he was a jerk. He didn't seem like he was pressing them to do something they didn't want to do besides go with him to this music venue, which is to me the least of your problems at that moment. And as they were hanging out through the night, I wasn't quite sure why she'd called him or texted him, but it seemed like they were all just sort of hanging out. I didn't get Mm -hmm. a a sense of menace from his character or that he was zeroing in on her.
0: I felt like he was. Did you? Yeah, I didn't feel like he was full on, like, I feel like he could have gone either way and that he, but, but I mean, the way that he instantly just kind of saw her and zeroed in on her and was like, Hey, I need your number. Like it was just owed to him.
1: Oh yeah. Back um, on the bus. I agree. Yeah. Once he then been called, I guess. I, I mean, I didn't,
0: I didn't feel like there was, I didn't think he was going to harm her right. necessarily. I did feel like she knew she was going to have to perform in some way to get the money they needed. And yeah. hoping that it wouldn't be worse than what it turned out to be.
1: Yeah, I must just sort of be thick with those things because he. I felt like, well, he kind of agreed to help them out and to lend the money and come with me, and then they're they're just kind of making out and like was the was there a deal there? I guess there was. I.
0: Yeah, I don't. I mean, I feel like there was no way she was interested in doing that, and then oh, she only ab- engaged in that activity. Absolutely,
1: absolutely, to get the to get the money. Yeah totally
0: which was just another like nail in the coffin you know in this story of how hard it is for these girls to just get where they need to be uh, literally and figuratively
1: right like the the actions and history that brought them to this place yeah you know require another one to get them out of it you know it's
0: and again it's not a movie where well i mean to a certain point yeah every man in this movie is kind of at least a jerk if not mm-hmm. worse than that because it starts off with teenage boys heckling her during a high school performance and then you get a glimpse of her home life and then there's this guy so there's really only 3 male characters uh except for some you know MTA subway right. workers who are helpful but uh yeah it just but for for some reason it doesn't feel like an agenda movie to me because of the time it takes to be so invested in character and experiences that ring true because the details are so real because it feels like this feels like a real experience uh to me it transcends that realm of kind of being a a didactic morality tale from you know one side of a hot button debate it seems to be more seems to be less of an abortion movie than just a being a girl in america movie Mm -hmm.
1: yeah i i agree I, i i Was really bothered by the initial clinic. I assume you were too.
0: Yes. Um, it's heartbreaking. Ugh. Because I'm, I mean, we used to support those places. We used to have people come from those clinics to our church and talk to us about the important work they were doing.
1: Oh, gosh. Yeah. I I mean, you know immediately that something's wrong when they're offering an over-the-counter test that she could have just gotten herself. Because at first they seem warm and kind. It seemed like an okay place to be. And then to find that they deceive people so as to delay them in seeking an abortion so they'll be stuck. And just all of that is so gross.
0: And lest anybody thinks that it's being unfair and portraying Christians in a negative light, everything about that clinic, down to how warm and sweet the ladies are Mm -hmm. when you walk in and meet them, is so uh, realistic. Absolutely. And then when it comes down to it, these are people who claim to be motivated by love, by ultimate love, and when you get down when, when the, you know, rubber hits the road, all they can offer is shame and horror and fear. And mm-hmm. yeah, that is just to me that that is as loud, perhaps louder than even everything else in the movie that is just ringing about how what a rare thing actual compassion is.
1: And I was so glad that she didn't get caught up in it. Who knows yeah. what was going on in the character's head, but it didn't stop her from, right. from continuing her journey. She didn't get stuck needing to make her right. peace with God or something.
0: And I wonder how successful they are. Cause they're back in the eighties and nineties when we were, you know, actively supporting that kind of stuff. I, we had the impression that they were out there on the front lines, you know, fixing the problem. And I feel like her reaction in this movie seems a little more, uh, re- resonates a little more with reality for me
1: yeah yeah but this this movie was super successful i thought it was good
0: yeah very well done hard to watch uh feels feels important and timely and i'm glad i saw it okay dan let's take a break and then let's talk about our feature title for the week uh your selection i believe uh, okay we'll be back in a minute Welcome back. Dan, uh, you selected for this week's show, The In Crowd, a movie that I was not aware existed. Why don't you uh, walk us through the details?
1: I can't tell you how many times I've smiled thinking of you watching this movie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I should have taken some pictures for you.
1: (laughs) So The In Crowd is a 2000 film. That's our favorite era. Pretty much.
0: It seems to be, yeah.
1: Yeah. How this wasn't included that year among Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and (laughs) Traffic, Gladiator, I don't know. So, The In Crowd is an American teen thriller film. I know that you enjoy women filmmakers lately. So, I also wanted to offer you one directed by Mary Lambert. Lambert. Yeah. And so.
0: Pet Cemetery, the beloved version.
1: <laughs> yeah, so this movie is about a young woman named Adrian who is released from a mental institution quite dramatically, <laughs> and one of her former doctors thinks, "Oh, she's going to be fine if only she can find her place." So I'll get her a job at a country club, and Adrian's quite willing to to play ball with this. And there are a lot of rich kids who go to this country club and for some reason kind of the queen bee here brittany decides to take adrian under her wing and get her involved in the lurid melodrama of she and her other teen young adult i guess they're young adults um it's not quite clear i mean they're they're 35 but what age they're supposed to be isn't clear to me and there's a murder and there's deception and there's mystery and intrigue and 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 a lot of lip gloss and uh, and yeah, when I saw this movie, I don't remember if I saw it in the theater or what, but I was completely delighted by it. and I've returned to it every so often since then, because I it's so stupid. And the tagline, what would you do to get in? Does that have anything to do with anything? No. Wasn't she simply invited in? Yes. She didn't have to do anything. What did you do to get in? Okay, so Josh, you didn't see this before. No. And and you watched it. I real, you know, there was a 1988 version that I thought maybe I should tell you was not what I had in mind. Um Right.
0: I think you mentioned 2000, so I yeah. was pretty Although I did double check because (laughs) both movies, as far as my radar goes, do not exist. So I had to just pick one.
1: I'm so glad to expand your horizons and tell me how you received this movie.
0: All right. Um, Well, as I say, this is a movie that I have never even heard of. I'm looking for a foothold. And yes, Mary Lambert (laughs) is a uh, uh, beloved director, I guess, appreciated director. Um, done a lot of tv done a lot of famous music videos including madonna's like a prayer uh and of course the the good version of pet cemetery uh, the the writers of this movie mark gibson and phil halperin um snow dogs is their other uh oh. big tentpole achievement and uh the i don't know the cast i've never seen these people before i know the older actors i knew the uh, the doctor and yeah. um the lady who was uh tommy lee jones wife in no, no country the other doctor do you um, know
1: um tree o'toole
0: tree o'toole
1: yeah she played the chicken fighting girl she's near okay. the bottom of
0: the credits okay <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only one of the kids that i eventually recognized was uh jr ferguson as andy the long-haired party dude guy mm. who went on to be stan on mad men oh so that's that was the only person that I could be like. Oh, there's one of the young people that I actually recognize. So here's how here's how this movie went for me. This is a a perfectly fun movie. It's trashy, and that doesn't mean it's bad. Uh, I have a feeling that's what is enjoyed about it. I don't have a context for a movie like this because it's what I. This is what I feel like UPN shows are like, <laughs> or like the WB teen dramas. I wish are they
1: like. would be this good.
0: <laughs> but what it did remind me of. Is I think you know that in recent years I've been on kind of a slasher movie bender and Mm. doing a lot of deep dive podcasts. I watched all the Friday the Thirteenth. I watched all the Halloween movies and the stuff in between the the slashings is a lot of uh, bad girls in asylums, drama about who's sleeping with who at the party and all. It it feels so much like a slasher movie, but just you know some casual murder instead of serial killing. Yeah, the beginning
1: um, is so good where you're sitting in like a warehouse, but it's a meeting room and it requires like 12 professionals to assess right. whether or not Adrian can be released. And what is with the rusting water under the air conditioner that's like going a music back video. To? I know. And then she's looking like all like half sexy, half mania, you know, right. on her chair. And they finally just approved and you know, they might as well have stamped in the center and she's completely fine. That's the thing. Right. She, you know, she, she appears to just be a normal person that isn't experiencing any, I shouldn't use the language of normalcy, but you know, someone who's not experiencing mental health issues.
0: Right. And that's she, another thing eventually to dis- discuss about this movie is how interesting it is. 20 years. Uh, what a difference that makes in terms of attitudes and portrayals of, you know, bad girls in in, insane asylums and stuff like that.
1: But what about their shorts? If you have to work is that are they issued those shorts as a humiliation for not being one of the country club members? And the friend who works with her her eyebrows. What was going on? The eyebrows and the bangs? What was happening? And so sorry, I just have to keep talking. So when I so when I first saw this I would have not been 21 yet. And so you kind of think how older people drink is, you know, just this kind of mystery land, you know? Mm -hmm. And I watched, you're really a huge martini glass on the beach in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) What?
0: (laughs) What are you doing? Uh, Getting back to something you said about her, she has this crazy past, this weird relationship with a doctor and she attacks him. And then there's this question about her sanity. But then as you say, once she's released, basically in the timeline of the movie, she's fine. Yeah. And I really expected the movie to play with, is she losing it? I'll, I mean, I'll tell you straight up what I don't want to jump ahead in the plot. I don't know if we're going to, how much we're going to recap or not, but they introduced this idea that she looks just like the sister yes. of one of the most popular girl and uh, Sandra, is that the name of the sister? Sandra. To the extent that the same actress who plays Adrian is in photographs as this sister, and yeah. everyone sees her at first is like, "Sandra, you're back." And I'm thinking, okay, she's Sandra, and her memory's messed up because she's crazy, and it's going to bring all of her sanity and her identity into question. Oh. No, it's yeah. just, it's just something that give it's something that gives other characters the idea to use her in certain ways. Or, that, or it's the reason that the this other girl I keep forgetting her name the 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 head Brittany sexy girl Brittany makes her obsessed with her because she reminds her of her sister. But um, I, but really remarkably, Adrian's sanity is not really a question in the movie, which seems like it's being set up in the beginning of the movie.
1: Yeah, well, what you just described would have been great if they would have gone with that. I fully
0: expected all of that.
1: And it's also completely unbelievable if she really is a doppelganger of Sandra. And we know now by the end that that Brittany murdered Sandra, but nobody else knows that. Or, you know, most other people don't know that in the world. Right. So, of course, this is Sandra. Stop saying you're not. How annoying. You know, you, you absolutely are. And the other friends who they each kept trying to give personalities to how stupid I, I didn't get why they did that the one guy who is an alcoholic who kind of helps adrian yeah a yeah. little bit mush enough guy yes what was his characterization is right. that what that actor thought it was like to be drunk <laughs> right. because guess what alcoholics don't act that way when they drink yeah. you know they they carry it a lot better when they're doing their yeah. morning drinking so and that and he helped her escape so when um Adrian is wrongfully accused of the doctor's murder later on, which h- how that was all orchestrated, I think, is nonsense and ridiculous. Right. But when she, when and why did he go along with the seduction by Brittany? What 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 is wrong with that doctor? Who who right. cares? That's the least of our concerns. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> he, she, Brit, Adrian, is arrested and she's sent back to an institution, and then drunk guy helps her escape by drugging the psychiatrist at the institution, right. because that's all you he, have to get through. You know, right. It, right. you just put your hair back and you use her security card. You, that probably you would work right past the security. Mark, card. Right, and he right. just pulls up at the right time, even though you'd have no cell phones to communicate, whatever. It's a convenience of plot. But when the whole thing was over, I didn't see how in the fight in the pool, how they would necessarily see that Brittany was in the wrong all the time and that that conversation exonerated Adrian because it did not. She was being held for murder. Is there no other charges to face? You drugged a doctor and escaped from not just a mental institution, but a high security because you committed a crime mental institution. You can't just escape from prison. Just because you right. happen and to why, be innocent.
0: On that same token, why does Brittany then go to the same asylum in the same room? She committed a lot of murders. She's not right. just like having. She's not just unstable. She is a <laughs> right. killer. Right.
1: Yeah. Are there and, no reasons? And then they have that like end of the summer moment with with eyebrows <laughs> in the car, and it seemed like they got their first paycheck. Like they get paid all at once or something. Like you pick up your check on the last day at camp. And I was like, this is a country club. It's open all the time. The, right. the, the kids who come here, they're not just here for the summer. It doesn't seem like. I think they live in this town. Right. So you're just seasonal help, I guess. And you don't face any charges. You don't need to stay in town for some reason. What's going to happen next? You've experienced a lot of trauma. You have a history of, of, of being mentally unstable. What will happen next? Right. I, 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 felt, I felt pretty confused.
0: When I was trying to figure out how to feel, I, um, as so often, I tried to look to Roger Ebert, but alas, he did not review it. He did this
1: movie. not review it. <laughs> uh,
0: but I did find a New York Times review, and it was the best thing that come of it was its description of this movie as "quote Rebecca meets Caddyshack."
1: Yes, which, yes, <laughs> it's completely a Rebecca ripoff.
0: Yeah, but not even yeah in a, in a very lame way that doesn't go anywhere yeah I don't i the the revelation that Brittany has murdered Sandra doesn't do anything to flesh out or explain her obsession with Adrian other than Oh crap, you look like somebody I killed. I guess I should frame you for murder now right the whole the whole machin it feels like you know this is a movie about machinations and about someone who seems nice and draws you into this crowd and then sets you up and betrays you, but there's not like there should be like a juicy simplicity to that. And it's very convoluted. And Adrian is kind of just this passive person. She doesn't really fall for it. She does a little bit, but then she gets wise. So I never felt worried for Adrian. Like, I felt, I guess you feel bad when she gets carted away, but you, it's, you know that she's about to be exonerated because it's just time for that to happen.
1: And on another note, did Brittany dig a two inch grave for Sandra? because she like runs her nails through right. the dirt and pulls out her hand. And right, wouldn't that have...
0: Did anybody hit their, their ball into the rough and then smell something funny?
1: <laughs> right. Or a oh, raccoon hey, something. Or, or something. And wouldn't right. she have decayed a bit in mm-hmm. the year or so?
0: Uh, we haven't talked about... I mean, it's not worth going through all the other kids, but I think another character who deserves mention is Kelly. Yes. Played by Laurie Fortier. Or Fortier who i don't understand this character she's kind of like the she i mean she she i guess the, her thing is that at first she looks like the bitch and then she turns out to be the sensible one who warns her but then she's also i don't i don't know what's going on and she gets murdered by britney on a boat after they make out it's like <laughs> yeah Oh and she's, she rides a motorbike and falls it's she's. i don't i don't understand i don't
1: So understand. her hair is shorter than the other girl's so obviously she's a lesbian that right. we know from the, from the beginning remember that 90s hair that just kind of had that different shape and there's like little clips in it you know right it, yes it's just such a wonderful <laughs> throwback um, right. but it seems like kelly is jealous of adrian but we see that Kelly, I guess, had a relationship with Brittany in secret and was perhaps concerned that Adrian was going to be taking her place. But then we come to find out the thing about Adrian looking like Sandra, so maybe that was part of Kelly's motivation, but whatever. But So there's an accident. We don't see who is the saboteur of uh, Kelly's motorbike scooter thing. We assume it's Brittany. But she breaks her leg in this accident and then she's sitting on a boat at night and Brittany's like, let's have a sail Cal because like, that's what you do at night is go out on the ocean in your, in your little sailboat when one of you is injured, but whatever.
0: And when Uh, they started to get sexy, I'm like, you're in a boat with a cast on. (laughs) Like That's the the last moment you want to get. And with someone.
1: Yeah, you don't you don't you don't have uh, cast fantasies, I guess. No. <laughs> anyway, <Yeah>. um, <laughs> then I'm thinking like this was such a complicated plan, Brittany, because in order for Kelly, who I guess is an experienced swimmer, to drown, she'd need to have a broken leg. So it's like, did you think that you would sabotage her bike so she'd be injured enough that you could take her out on a boat? and then push her off after seducing her such that she wouldn't be able to swim to shore. That is a very complex murder yes. plot.
0: And why, And is it even clear why Kelly has to go? Is no, it just because she's getting in the way? Or?
1: That wasn't clear to me. Kelly didn't seem to be aware of any crucial information. She wasn't blackmailing Brittany as far as the movie shared. Right. I didn't get why why Brittany felt she needed to be murdered.
0: Yeah. um, Speaking of things that don't make sense, the poster for this movie, Mm -hmm. none of the care, none of the actors on the poster look like their characters in the movie. (laughs) Yeah. And it seems to look like it's about pairing up and it's about relationships and who's with who. And it, it's a very strange poster. It doesn't have any of the the menace or the, the, you know, the murder or the craziness.
1: No, none. And frankly the club doesn't look that nice it looks not even as nice as the beach club where the saved by the bell kids worked <laughs> right for yeah. like a summer
0: <clears throat> it looks like an old people country club and it happens to have a beach too so there's the kids hang out there but yeah it's not like a hot sexy cool young place
1: no they're all just stuck there i guess because their parents go and they have nothing else to do
0: and i but I guess it would have been better if they'd been a little younger, and then it would have been a little edgier or if they were just adults, but because of the nebulousness of are they thirty are they twenty two like I don't, right. I, it it was confusing who they are and what their world is,
1: yeah, I wasn't sure I mean, I hated every last one of them,
0: yeah, I didn't find Adrian to be sympathetic or unsympathetic; she just was, and they didn't. I wasn't worried about, I thought I was going to be, I thought she was going to be gaslit or she was going to be questioning her own sanity. And she just kind of, she wasn't even that naive. Like she was pretty good at once she figured things out, telling people off and asserting herself. So she just kind of handily walked, you know, through the plot until the end when she was exonerated and then everything's fine. Yeah, that worked out really well.
1: Because we know that the American justice system moves quickly and gives the benefit of the doubt. And just lets people off the hook for poisoning and escaping prison, and maybe being a murderer, but we're not sure.
0: My only other thing on my little short notes here is um, just the issue of this. I doesn't none of this matters, but I'm fascinated by marketing and ratings and things. That this is a PG-13 movie Mm -hmm. with quite a lot of nudity in it, and I wondered if I read somewhere that there's a European version. That's extended and has more sex stuff, and I wondered if that's the version they have on Amazon. Um, oh, that again, could maybe cares, be. But you know, there's a there's some female nudity uh, in this movie that seems excessive for a PG thirteen. Me, I don't know if two thousand was different in terms of standards, but
1: yeah, it says so. It had an R rating, um, but the scene between Brittany and the doctor was trimmed to receive the PG rating in the original. Brittany removes her dress where her breasts are revealed and then her dress is taken. I feel like that happened in the version so that is, I watched.
0: Yeah. So this is the PG-13 version.
1: No, that's the R version. Oh, that's the R version, right. Yeah. In the PG-13 yeah. version, the scene was not extended beyond the exposure of Brittany's breasts.
0: Yeah, that's the version I saw. So it had the the, the nudity, but it didn't go into a sex scene. It just kind of oh. got... So, huh. so I guess the one on Amazon is... The PG-13.
1: A Kiss Between Brittany and Kelly was also trimmed for the PG-13. Just trimmed, not
0: removed. Long enough so nobody gets any ideas.
1: No. The, I mean, the movie is a little bit porny for sure. Yes. Not, Not in the any. Cinemax vibe. Yes. In a completely 90s softcore way.
0: Uh, so Dan, I guess the the only question left is, uh, how does this hold up for you? How have you changed as a movie watcher coming back to the warm embrace of the In Crowd? Well,
1: when it comes to the In Crowd, I haven't changed at all. Clearly, because I love it as much as I ever did. Um, yeah. how, what what do you feel? Do you do you feel it? It is a it's a it's a movie you'd like to return to maybe yearly now that you know about it.
0: <laughs> um. I feel uh, honored to have been let in on this little corner of your (laughs) your psyche and your life.
1: I didn't really have a good choice, and so I decided why not watch a movie that I just like?
0: Yeah, sure. You know, no. I'm glad I saw it. uh, (laughs) I'm glad I saw it. I mean, I, w- I literally didn't. It wasn't even like I've seen this movie and passed it over. I did not know this movie existed, so to now have talked about it for a half an hour uh, is, you know, what a treat. I've, this is a new place in my life. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I will probably not think about it again, but I, I don't regret this time or rue the experience of. I like trashy, weird movies like this, and uh, again, it really it it felt so familiar to those slasher movies that I have seen a lot of lately. So I felt like I understood it's trashiness at a certain level. Well,
1: right. I'll keep you in trashy movies. Don't worry about that.
0: Uh, I have a selection for next week. Great. It's so hard to pick because sometimes things feel indulgent. I was going to say avatar just as a stunt to get us to talk about, it, but I hate yeah. avatar. So uh, so how about the, do you remember Syriana? I do. All right, I think that's what I want to watch again.
1: Okay. Yeah, I don't know if I ever watched it.
0: All right, but maybe Stephen Gagan, the writer of Traffic, directs his own feature off of the the juice of Traffic.
1: It seems like something I would have seen, but I don't remember it. So it's I'll let George you. know. George Clooney, Matt Damon. Yeah. I'm, it, yeah, it was yeah. pretty
0: high profile. So hey, won the Oscar for it. All right, Dan. Uh, I know not to ask for final thoughts, although this this might be a, a, a special exception. This is your chance to say what you want to say about the in crowd you feel you said everything
1: i sure do okay
0: (laughs) then this has indeed been our podcast we have been dan and josh you can follow us both on twitter and letterboxd the show is at holds up pod on twitter our music is by jonah rapino thank you so much for listening and we'll be back next week see you then goodbye Ready to go? Are you well, Dan? Before I jump into telling you about the dumb thing I did,
1: I'm about to be better.
0: So we, uh, this is one of those dumb things where I I hurt myself basically, but you know, it like takes weird explaining. We have cats, two of them, and they are indoor cats. And Shireen doesn't want them to destroy the furniture, but it's inhumane to declaw them, so she puts she has these little rubbery, plasticky sheaths that go over their claws. So they're like glittery, colorful. Okay. And they have to be glued on. And there's this little tube of adhesive, looks like a super glue bottle. And just before bed last night, she asked me to help her do a couple of these on Buddy, our our ornery cat who does not enjoy um our other cat doesn't care, you can do anything to him. And so anyway, I'm doing this and some freak hand movement or something and a glob of the glue shoots straight up into my eyeball.
1: Oh my gosh
0: dead center of my left eye right in the pupil and it was excruciating and i was in the bathroom and i flushed it out and i should have gone to the emergency room yeah. but i didn't want to because of you know right. reasons so i just I, I i was not like instantly blinded i'm fine today it's still very dry and irritated uh, my vision's okay but at the time i just couldn't keep my eye open or close it it was extremely uncomfortable it was mostly sleepless night um, and it was just such a freak thing for such a weird, you know, it's like shut my finger in a car door. Like everybody knows that story. You just, it takes one sentence. Right. But this, this convoluted thing, uh, and as a result, you know, I told you I've been healthy for a very long time. I haven't had a cold or a flu or anything in about a year. And, uh, as since this happened last night, my sinuses are completely activated. Oh, I don't have a gosh. voice. I, my nose is running constantly. So uh, it's been a real hoot of, of a day.
1: Yeah, that isn't a story you hear every day. And you did ask how I was. I didn't ask how you were because no. I figured you were about to tell me.
0: Right, I was coming that's, in hot. I, you know. yeah, that
1: sounds that sounds pretty terrible. And it's a good story though.
0: Yeah, and someday I'm sure I'll, I'll, uh, you know, it'll just be a cute story. Right now, and hopefully
1: it can get you out of helping next time.
0: Maybe, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's such a weird thing anyway that I, now I'm like, I'm not touching that stuff.
1: Right. You, you've you done your duty right. on that, I think.
0: Yeah. It is kind of cute that our cats have these colorful little claws in the front, but one I've of them has figured out heard. how to bite them off.
1: Oh, well, I've not heard of that. So I learn a little bit every week.
0: There you go. That's, that's what we're here for. That's what this is about.
1: Mm-hmm.